Welcome to First Church on this nice fall morning. Today is Worldwide Communion Sunday. We join millions around the world in sharing the bread and cup in remembrance of Christ's sacrifice and gifts to us. The flowers this morning are from the service celebrating the life of Lee Cotman. Lee had one of the largest warm smiles us German men will show. That cheerful smile will certainly be missed. If you missed Pastor Joel's gospel project Bible study or the discerning the voice of God study, it's not too late to join either one. There are details in the bulletin for both of those. There is a barrel in the heritage room for Agape One Warm Coat Drive. The the Agape distributes these coats free of charge to anyone in need. They're in need of men's, women's and especially children's coats. We are still taking dinner cluster uh, forms. It's not too late to get in those. Athletes in, uh, athletes in action, not the baseball team, but the basketball team will be here. They're arriving on Wednesday. We look forward to having AIE back in New Knoxville. There's more info in the bulletin on the schedule. If you see them out and about, please say hello and, and welcome them. I think many of us are looking forward to them being in our communities in our home this week. We also get to learn more about what their mission is and their, and them individually, which is a treat to us and our families. Pastor Joel has some folks to introduce and some information to share. Yep. We've got a lot going on in the next uh, couple weeks around here. Uh, first, as Athletes in Action coming up this week, as Brian just shared with you. Uh, but the week following that uh, is the Revive Ohio event that I've been sharing with you. And actually, if you look on the back of your bulletin, there's the weekly calendar of the times and places and all of that stuff that's happening. So um, that's a good resource to have. But uh, we have a couple of guests with us this morning, Alex and Dennis. Uh, they're from... Uh, they're, they're here to share about Revive Ohio and, and give you a little bit more information about that. So I invite them forward at this time, and, and hopefully you guys will uh, be able to learn a little something. And, and um, if you have any questions or anything like that, feel free to follow up with me. They won't be able to stick around for the end of the service, but uh, they have other churches to go and share at. But I'll be around. You can ask me questions. Good morning. Now I tell you, it's great to be in the house of the Lord this morning. And uh, I'm really excited about the, what the Lord is doing among us. And uh, I'm just a representative of the local churches, and uh, my involvement with uh, Revive Ohio, um, I was driving home from work one Thursday evening, and I got a phone call from my wife and says, hey, do you want to go to Greenville tonight? And I live in St. Mary's, and uh, I'm like, no, (laughs) I'd really rather not, you know. Uh, but I thought, you know, she started explaining to me, and I sensed the, uh, uh, the excitement in her voice, and it sounded like it was a place where the Lord was going to be, and I thought, you know what, I'll go. It may be good, and I really am thankful that I did, because what I experienced was a, uh, just a move of the Lord that uh, I definitely want to be a part of. I don't want to miss what he's doing in our current day. And as I began to pray and think about what... Uh, my involvement would be and my commitment would be uh, the Lord, I believe, gave me a couple of scriptures. And I just want to share those real briefly. The first one is from the uh, book of Ephesians. And uh, Paul was praying for the church of Ephesus. I'm going to pick it up here in uh, <clears throat> uh, verse 16 of chapter three. It says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power 
through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure with all the fullness of God. And I just really encourage you to, to, to focus in and, and uh, hone in on, on those words. And, you know, some of the things that leaped off the page of me is, you know, we're dealing with a love that surpasses knowledge. And what does that mean? You know, the gospel of Jesus Christ is powerful and it's alive. And he wants to move among us in our culture. And he wants to move among us in his church. And uh, my heart became really quick that the idea that Revive Ohio, the very word revive insinuates that something that was once alive is dying or nearing death. And it became very apparent to me in my experience that that's the church. And we're looking to be revived. And uh, I'm excited about what he's doing. He's revived. You know, revival starts in my own heart. And so I've experienced that revival. And now I'm called to go and make disciples. And I'm to share the love of Christ with those people that I encounter each and every day. And I would encourage you to, uh, I know your pastor is on board and I'm excited about that. It's starting. We're down within a week. Next Sunday evening will be the kickoff service. And Alex has got some more details for you. I'm going to turn it over to him. Thank you very much. Good morning. It's, uh, it's good to be here. Uh, what a beautiful sanctuary and a beautiful congregation. Um, yeah, so we're just here. Uh, super excited about, um, about Revive Ohio coming up this next week, and um, like he said, the Lord is just just really moving in our county. Uh, you know, because of prayer, we've been praying for revival since January at, at different prayer meetings. I know St. Mary's, that a St. Mary's prayer meeting, there's been prayer meetings going on in Walpock, and, the, and, and wherever you go, it just seems like the prayers are for unity and for revival and just for an awakening of the church and for um, God's people, us. And um, so this, this Revive Ohio, uh, time, time to Revive, is a uh, ministry from out of uh, Texas, uh, Dallas area. And nine years ago, Kyle had this vision uh, to go out. And he just had a heart for evangelism and to go out and share the love of Christ and to share the gospel. And so that's exactly what he's doing. Um, this this uh, Revive Ohio has nothing nothing to do with a single ministry, a single organi- organization, um, a single person, a single denomination. It is, it is all about Jesus Christ. It is all about unity in the church, God's people coming together. You know, putting the putting the hands and feet um, of Christ's people and going out and sharing and just loving on our county who so, so, so needs love and to hear the gospel. And um, so this Sunday or, or next Sunday, I guess it would be it's coming Sunday, October um, 9th is the kickoff. It's in here on. He's got it on the bolts and that's awesome. And. Uh, Six o'clock, that's going to be at the Harvest Baptist Church in Walpock, right across from the high school. Um, I would strongly encourage you to make it there. 
Um, I also had the opportunity to go to Greenville and um, and just what God was doing there was so amazing. I thought I was going to to help out, to go and, and share with people. And it was just amazing, you know, what God did in my own heart uh, through that. I mean, it'll just uh, it'll just set up set a fire in you. I mean, you'll just um, just have such a love for sharing and just for people. I mean, just instantly you share the gospel, you know, with someone that's never heard it. And just the power that is in the gospel of Jesus Christ, you know, just bringing forth the tears and just the the expression on their face of just the, the freeing that they get when they accept that is just wonderful. And I, I would not want you guys to miss the opportunity to um, be a part of this. There is something for everyone. There really is something for everyone to get involved with. Um, at the evening services, they need um, greeters um, to welcome people in, to show them uh, where the bathrooms are and where things are at in the church. They need ushers. Um, there's, there's, you see on here the prayer and breakfast, and then there's a lunch and there's a dinner. So that's three meals a day, and we're still trying to cover um, the details with that. So if you could get with someone and prepare a meal, whether it's another church or, or even um, if you get together in this church, uh, there's still spots available to prepare a meal. Um, housing, there's about 200 missionaries coming. Uh, I said this ministry was from Texas. There's, there'll be missionaries coming that have been involved in this and just want to see um, the movement of God in our county. And um, they come from uh, Texas. They come from Florida. They come from Indiana. Um, just all to see and help out with um, what God is doing. And it is just uh, such a mighty move of God. Um, they're not from Texas. They're not bringing the revival. Um, God is bringing the revival he is bringing unity in his people, and um, it's just going to be a wonderful thing to be a part of. Uh, about a m- little over a month ago, they got invited to Greenville to come for a week, and God just moved um, so greatly that the churches that invited them got together and said, hey, would you stay another week? And they ended up staying another week, and they ended up staying for three weeks, and there was over 300 saved um, first-time decisions. And 500 people are being discipled because of this. Um, and that's the awesome thing about this, um, this ministry. Um, they pair these people up with discipleship. Um, For 52 weeks, you walk with someone through Bible stories, and you just meet with them once a week. And, um, I mean, it's so important, it's so important to disciple because they're just a brand-new baby um, when, you're, when you're a born-again Christian. And um, um, it's great that your, your pastor has been involved. Um, I've seen him at uh, quite a few of the meetings. And um, you guys are, are blessed with a, a new pastor who has a heart for the lost. And um, I'll just ask um, him to pray for the upcoming week and um, just all that God is going to do. Uh, yes, before I pray, I just want to say thank you to you guys coming and sharing about this. Um, 
I think it's an exciting opportunity for us as a church and, and all, for Auglaise County to uh, come together and, and reach out to people who are lost. So if you're interested in being involved in any way, um, let me know. Um, I'd be glad to give you some details. But at the very least, you have the schedule. You can be there. You can invite friends and family. You can invite coworkers to come and be a part of, especially those evening services will be a great way to invite people. So, all right, let's pray for Revive. Father, I thank you uh, for Alex and for Dennis. I thank you for this ministry of, of Revive Ohio. I pray that we as a church, um, would uh, not just First Church of New Knoxville, but as your church um, in, this, in this part of the state, uh, we'd be able to come together and reach out uh, to those who are lost, Lord, to those who need to experience your love and your grace and your mercy. I pray that you would provide everything that's needed for this event to take place. Um, I pray for volunteers and helpers and, and for all the details to be worked out. Um, you are a God who provides and, and equips those uh, who, are, who serve you. And so I pray that you would uh, provide exactly what is needed. And Lord, um, on top of that, we ask that, that you would uh, provide us with opportunities to invite people to to spread your your gospel, Lord, in this place. And I pray that many people would come to know you because of this ministry. It's in Christ we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Please rise for the call to worship. Praise be to you, Lord the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power, and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. Now let us sing hymn number 74, Majesty. We'll sing it uh, one and a half times. We'll be repeating back to the chorus.
While the children come forward for children's chats, please uh, greet your neighbor. morning. I am excited to see so many of you here today. Nothing broke my heart more than when this summer I had nobody. That was very sad. So I am so excited you guys are all here for children's chat. Well, last week we started a new season. What season is that? Fall. The season of fall. What does that mean? What, what happens in the fall? Trick-or-treating happens. Yes, it does. What else happens in the fall? The leaves fall down. And what else do the leaves do? They turn colors. Yes, they do. They turn colors. What else happens in the fall? Daddy has to rake all the leaves that fall. Yeah. And then you get to jump in them. That's right. What are the farmers doing in the fall? Harvesting. Yes. We sh- when it stops raining... And it's time. The farmers will be out there with their combines, and they'll be ready to harvest. Okay? Now, I have a question for you. In Sunday school last week, we started a new program. What was our story about last week? What was it about? Um, um, How God created the earth. How God created the earth. That's right. We talked about the creation story and how on the first day and the second day and the third day. So as we're talking about fall, who created the trees? God did. Who made them change colors? God. Who gives us that beautiful fall moon? God does. That's right. Who tells the squirrels that they better start collecting their acorns? God does. Because that's how God made them. That's right, and God has told the bears that, hey, you better start packing on that fat because you're going to be hibernating soon. God made the animals. God made the birds, and he told them that they need to start migrating to the south because it's going to get chilly pretty soon. And so I just want you to remember that 
God made everything. And so as we go through this season of fall and we see the things that are changing, God made those things and they are awesome. And we need to remember to tell him thank you for those things. Okay? So that's what I want you to remember today. When you see those leaves changing colors, I want you to think, God did that. That is awesome because God did that. All right, let's say a quick prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for these children and their willingness to learn and how much they love you and how much we know that you love us. Be with us this fall and help us to understand that you are the reason that all of these things happen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, have a great week. As you can see in your bulletin, there's several uh, names and, and families listed there um, under the concerns list. Um, of course, we want to encourage you to continue to lift up our brothers and sisters in Christ and, and also members of the community that we're aware of who need our prayer. And, and I encourage you to do that not only today, but throughout the week. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer now and remember these people. Father, we are grateful for a church that is willing to to pray uh, for those who are in need. Um, Lord, prayer is such an important part of, of our worship of you, uh, but it's also something that you call us to do on behalf of others. Um, we are called to, to pray for those who are, in sick, who are sick and in need of healing. Uh, we're called to pray for each other, uh, for, for our own spiritual uh, growth and maturity as well. Uh, the names that we have listed before us today are are people who are in need of your care, um, of your healing, of your grace. Um, and Lord, we know also that there's probably many more names that could be listed here. Uh, we each are carrying concerns and, and uh, issues, Lord, that are, that are weighing us down. And so um, above and beyond the names that are listed here, we also pray that you would work in our own lives and, and work to, to relieve those burdens and, and help us to, Lord, give those things to you. Um, we often just carry those with us and they weigh us down and, and, and you ask us simply, Lord, to, to come and to trust you with those aspects of our life, whether it's, uh, whether it's a physical pain and healing that's needed or whether, Lord, uh, there's, there's emotional and spiritual pain that's, that we're carrying around. Uh, I do, Lord, pray that you would give us each the courage to give those things to you uh, on, behalf of, uh, on behalf of our friends and family and ourselves as well. Uh, Lord, uh, above and beyond the healing and, and these sorts of issues, Lord, um, I do also pray uh, for Revive Ohio again. Uh, I pray, Lord, uh, about something that, that Dennis said that, that just struck me. He says, revival begins in our own heart. And that is so true. Uh, I know that, that many of us here today, Lord, would love to see revival, would love to see people in this community and in this country, Lord, turning to you and putting their trust in you. Uh, Lord, if we want to see that happen, it needs to begin with us. And so I pray for, for hearts in this room for, to be broken for you, uh, to, be, to be turned towards you, Lord. Um, and I pray that you would work in our own lives. You would stir up uh, something in us that, that, that desires to see you working in our own lives and working in this community. And so I pray for us that you would 
Give us that spirit of, of, of revival. Give us that confidence in you, Lord. Um, and then I pray that as that begins to happen, we would be able to move out and be able to share that with others as well. Uh, Lord, thank you for the opportunity to, to, to focus on that through Revive Ohio, and I pray that that ministry would, would be um, faithful and successful, Lord, in your eyes, that many people would know you because of that, and, and, and many people that, that know you would be encouraged to know you more as well. Uh, we pray all these things in the name of Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. At this time, I invite those who are helping with the offering to come forward. Uh, the, the offering today is going to support the general fund, and uh, invite the choir to share some special music as we take that offering.
Good morning. Our scripture reading today comes from Philippians 1, verses 27 through 30. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you will stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as for one faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. May God bless the reading of his word. Thanks, Sam. Before I uh, begin my message this morning, I just want to take a a moment and just uh, thank you as a church, as a congregation. Last week, uh, um, Shannon was here sharing about her world race mission, and uh, and impromptu, uh, we decided to take up an offering for her. Um, That was not planned, of course, you know. Uh, and, and I want to thank you, first of all, for accommodating that. I know maybe that threw some deacons for a loop and uh, all of that, but, uh, but I just want to thank you. If you look in your bulletin under the um, offering for last week, where it's usually there, probably something you don't always pay attention to, um, but the special offering for Shannon, you guys gave $1,621 to her mission just on the spur of the moment. And that is a huge blessing to her and that ministry. And so I just want to take a moment and thank you for, for your faithfulness, for your willingness to, to contribute and support that ministry. Um, just such an awesome thing to, to see that. Um, even though it wasn't planned, even though it wasn't expected, um, you guys really came through. And so I'm very grateful for, uh, to be a part of a church that is, that is supporting of missions and especially supporting of, of, of our own. And so I'm very grateful for that, and I want to just thank you for that. Um, that was a really special moment uh, last week. Um, also, uh, last week, you know, the new Sunday school classes started for the kids and also for the adults. Uh, following the service, there's three new uh, adult, or three adult classes that will be, be taking place. I know there's one that Jay leads that that's, meets over here in the Heritage Room, and there's two new ones that are starting over in the ministry center. Uh, well, I just want to encourage you to, to join, and, and especially those of you who, are, who have kids in Sunday school and maybe young kids, uh, there will be nursery care available starting this week uh, for children during that time. So uh, no excuses. You all can come, right? You can be a part of that. Uh, that's beginning today, and, and uh, just want to let you all know that so that you can take advantage of it if you want to be a part of one of those classes. Uh, let's go to Lord in prayer as we prepare hearts for this message. Father, thank you for uh, this day. Thank you for the opportunity to be here to uh, share a message that you've placed on my heart. And I pray, Lord, that we would receive it well and that um, you would be honored today, Lord, in everything that we do and say. In Christ we pray. Amen. Uh, so today we're continuing our, pass, our walk through the book of Philippians. And as you, if you've been with us over the last couple of weeks, as we've begun to, to study this book together, we've noticed that we've spent a lot of attention on Paul and his situation, 
Right? Paul begins the letter with an introduction and then goes on to explain about how uh, he's come to find himself in prison, right? And he's facing these difficult circumstances. And we've seen that, that Paul did not uh, dwell on those things. He, didn't, he wasn't discouraged by, by the situation he found himself in. Instead, he was, he was inspired, really, right? He was inspired because even through his hardships, even through his suffering, uh, the gospel is still being preached and proclaimed. And, and God was using his suffering, was using that as an opportunity to advance the gospel. And so Paul was rejoicing, in fact, that he found himself in that situation and, and was rejoicing, not because he was in prison, not because he was facing those difficulties, but he was rejoicing because of the progress that the gospel was making through his circumstances. And so we get this, we've been giving, getting this picture of Paul and what he was going through. Um, and at this point, Paul begins to make a transition, right? He, he, puts his own situation on the back burner and begins to encourage and, and speak to the Philippians in their situation. And that's the direction that the majority of the rest of this letter is going to go in. Uh, we see this transition even start to take place at the end of the previous section, verses 25 and 26. Paul writes, uh, convinced of this, convinced that he will remain, right? That was his choice. If he had a choice, that he would remain with, with uh remain in the world and you, right, that he would be released from prison. He said, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that, being, so that through my being with you and your boasting of Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. And so he begins to make this turn. He begins to put his own situation aside and begins to focus on the Philippians and how their faith can grow, how they can have joy like Paul has joy. And so that's uh, where this passage is going. Paul's concern for the Philippians is that they would mature in their faith through the hardships that they both are facing. If you see in verse 30, he talks about how, how they're experiencing a similar situation that Paul is. So he's speaking to the Philippians who are going through their own hardships and their own difficulties. And so he's trying to speak some, some joy and some uh, maturity into that. Uh, he says that that he desires for this to happen no matter what happens, right? He says, whatever happens, uh, no matter the outcome of Paul's imprisonment, he implores the Philippians to live out their faith, right? He, he, he's saying, no, no matter what happens to me, and really no matter what happens to you, continue in the faith, continue to strive forward and proclaim the gospel. Uh, we, can all say, we can all say with certainty that life is full of uncertainty, right? We can all agree that, that we can't always control the situations that we find ourselves in, right? We can't always determine how our life is going to go. We may try. We may try our hardest to control those circumstances, but we can't, right? There are things in this life, and, and as, as I'm growing older, I'm realizing more and more that are out of our control, that are just beyond our ability to control. And so, uh, we, but we can control how we respond to them. See, that's the difference, and that's what Paul is encouraging these Philippians to do. Right? He, they can't control the fact that they're facing hardship and opposition and probably even some persecution because of their faith, but they can control how they respond to it. And Paul encourages them to respond faithfully, to respond by putting their trust even more in Christ and not in their own strength. Uh, Paul urges them to respond faithfully no matter what happens. Um, as you see in your bulletin, uh, this week um, we we held the funeral for Lee Cotman and, and you know, he was, a, he was a stalwart in this congregation, his community, born and raised here. And in the short time that I've been a part of your church, I got to know him. And, and what a joy, 
right? No matter what he was facing, no matter what he was going through, he always had a smile on his face. And speaking with his family and friends this week, they just confirmed that for me over and over again. And even in his last days, uh, as, as he was in the nursing home and, and knowing full well that he would not return home again, he still had a smile on his face. He still approached that with the joy that could only come from the Lord and uh, his, his confidence and his trust in him. I think of uh, one of the last times I got to visit with him. I was actually at, uh, at, at the nursing home to visit another one of our members of, of this church who passed away, Edith Maurer. And, uh, and I took the opportunity to go see Lee as well. And, and one of the first things that Lee did was ask about Edith, ask how she was doing. Even though he was in his own situation, or even though he had his own health issues, Lee was concerned about his friend and his, and his sister in Christ. And so he wanted me to go back and let Edith know that he was thinking of her and praying for her. Right? That's, that's a faithful response in the midst of adversity. Lee did not get down. You know, I'm sure there were moments that it was discouraging, but overall that smile was still on his face every time I saw him up until the very end. Um, and to me, that is an inspiration. That's, that's someone who is, who is responding faithfully no matter what life threw his way. Right, no matter what situation he found himself in, he was, he was inspired by his faith to, to continue forward. Um, and so, so Paul here is urging the Philippians to, to continue in their faith no matter what happens. Uh, and he says to conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Now this term, conduct yourselves, is interesting. Uh, the New Testament uses, and really the Old Testament too, uh, uses the analogy of walking as a metaphor for life. You know, walking through life, walking on this journey, and and uh, that's why I titled this sermon "Walk Worthy." Uh, but this this term here, conduct yourselves, is another term that that is found here in only one other place in the New Testament. And the connotation is not this journey, but but to live as citizens of a nation. Uh, the the idea is it's it's live according to the rights and the and the customs and the culture of a certain place. And so, um, in other words, he's, he's saying, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. He's saying, live your lives in a way that honors the gospel. Live in a way that, that is in line with the gospel and the truth of God's word. Um, remember, he's writing to the church in Philippi. And as I, as I shared with you before, Philippi was full of a bunch of Roman citizens, a lot of retired soldiers. And so they would have understood full well what it meant to be a citizen of Rome and the rights and the privileges and even the responsibilities that came along with that. Paul was a Roman citizen. When he was arrested once, he, he appealed to, to Caesar. That was his right as a Roman citizen to have his trial heard by Rome and not one of the, the outlying provinces. And so the people of Philippi would have understood what it meant to live in one place, but yet live as a citizen of another location. They were living in Philippi, but they were citizens of Rome and all the, the cultural aspects that came along with that. And so Paul, in a sense, is he's, he's trying to get them to understand that as a follower of Christ, we're not called to just be Sunday morning Christians. We're not called to just live our lives as if we're checking off boxes and then we go on our business and live our, the rest of our lives as if Christ has made no difference. To conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel is to live as citizens of heaven, to live as, as members of God's kingdom and, and, and all of the rights and privileges and responsibilities that goes along with that. Uh, later on in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, and we'll get to this eventually, uh, Paul makes this even more explicit. 
he says, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, right, we don't align our, our, our um, priorities and align our, our lives according to what the culture and what the world says we should do, but we align our priorities and our lives according to what God desires and according to his word. The reality is if we claim to follow Christ, our lives should reflect that. Right, our lives should, should mirror as best as we can, enabled by the Holy Spirit, to live lives that reflect Christ and reflect the reality that we claim to be followers of him. The scary thing is, if you ask me, is if, you know, if we look at our lives and we don't reflect Christ, if we're not living to that, what does that mean for us? Right, it means that we're not really committed to him. And I pray for myself and I pray for you that, that we would be able to live lives that reflect him, that, that reflect the reality of the commitment that we've made. Um, people should be able to look at our lives and see something different about us. See that we live according to a different standard than the world puts forth. That we live according to God's word and not what the culture uh, says we should do. In Matthew chapter 5, as part of his Sermon on the Mount, Christ tells his disciples, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Right? To live, to walk worthy, to live and conduct ourselves in a manner that is worthy of the gospel means that our light will shine and others will be able to see it that people will be able to look at your life and the way that you act and the way that you respond and the things that you say and, and be able to see a little glimpse of Jesus in your life. And it's not always easy and it's not always going to come easy. We're going to make mistakes, right? But people should be able to notice Christ in you. That's what it means to conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. We live in a world and a culture that constantly competes for our attention and our affection. The values of the world are often in opposition to the values of the kingdom. But as Christians, we need to choose to conduct ourselves in a manner that's worthy of the gospel. And sometimes that means going against the grain of our culture, which can lead to hardship and difficult circumstances and difficult decisions that we have to make. But our allegiance should first and foremost be to his kingdom and to his son, right? The Lord Jesus Christ, to his word above all else. That's how we conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. So that no matter what life throws our way, no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in, if our focus is on him and if our focus is on, on living as citizens of heaven, then we'll be able to, to, to conduct ourselves in that manner, in that way. And Paul gives a few uh, examples of how that's possible. First, we need to stand firm in the spirit. God provides the strength we need to stand firm. We don't need to rely on ourselves. If we do that, we're going to just fail. Trust me, I know. If we want to stand firm, if we want to live our lives in this way, we need to trust in the Lord and trust in his spirit. Ephesians 6 talks about the armor of God and having to, to put that on. And when we do so, when we trust in him, we'll be able to stand firm. Sometimes life throws more, than we can, throws more at us than we can handle. And in those moments, we need to rely on his strength to get us through. And standing firm in the spirit is also a way that we say that we trust God, right? If we're relying on him and his strength, 
it's, it's like we're saying, Lord, we need you to get through this. We need you every day, every moment even, right? But when we try to, try to get through ourselves, we just trust in our own strength, it's like we're saying we don't really need God. We don't really trust him to help us through these circumstances. And so we need to stand firm in the spirit, but we also need to strive together for the gospel. Uh, we need to live in such a way that, that our lives point people towards Christ. And I've already touched on this. Right? When people know that we are Christians, when they know that we attend church, when we know that we have committed our lives to Christ, then they're going to watch us. Right? They're going to observe our lives and, and, and what we do and what we say will either point people towards Christ or they'll point people away from him. And that's a hard reality, right? To, and, it's, and it may not be as, as uh, obvious as that, but, but it's true. When people know that we're Christians, our lives are, are an example of, of what it means to follow Christ. And, and it's going to be either a good example or a bad example. And so by relying on, by standing firm in the spirit, by striving for the gospel, we can put forth a good example for people to see. And by doing that, we will advance the gospel through our own lives. 1 Peter 3.15 encourages us uh, to, to always be prepared to give, it, give a testimony and give an account of the hope that we have. And so it's not only just about living our lives and the actions that we do, but it's also about the words and, and having the, when we have that opportunity to, to share about the impact that Jesus has made in our lives. We need both words and actions as we strive forward in the gospel. You know, if we, if we only live out the gospel and never share the gospel, we're only telling one side of the story. But if we, if we share the gospel and don't live it out, then we're just being hypocrites, right? We're not actually living our lives the way that we claim we should. And so we need both of them. We need to live lives of integrity, live lives that reflect the gospel, but also when we have that opportunity, share it with others through our testimony and through our words. And it says that we strive for the gospel together. Unity is such an important Christian virtue, and it's one that we need to constantly work toward. And uh, I won't dig into that because the next section, Paul will address that more specifically. So we'll dig into that next week. And finally, the third thing he says is don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the situations you're facing. Don't be afraid of the opposition. Do not fear is one of the most common commands in the Bible, often associated with the promise that God is with us, through, our, through thick and thin. Joshua 1.9 is a great example. <clears throat> Joshua just took over leadership of God's people from Moses. Moses had passed away, and Joshua was about to lead the people into the promised land. And God makes this promise. He says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't fear. And why? For I am with you, and I will never leave you nor forsake you. We have this promise that from God over and over again in Scripture that we don't have to be afraid because He is with us. So that no matter what we face, no matter what obstacles come our way, we can have confidence that the Lord is there. And the opposition we face, is a, it's a double sign that those who oppose God will, will be destroyed. Right? Our faithful response to persecution is a warning sign. Right? By remaining strong in our faith, by, by holding on to that when all, of the world, all the rest of the world is falling apart, it's a, it's a testimony to the truth of the gospel. Right? People don't suffer. People don't die for things they don't believe in or for things that aren't true. But over and over in church history, we see people that have suffered who have died for their faith. And it's a testimony that, that our, our belief and our, our faith in God is, is steadfast and true. And we don't need fear because God will judge in the end. Right? He'll sort things out. 
We don't need to worry about that ourselves. Also, it's a sign that we're being saved. It's the same idea as Paul's deliverance in the previous section, right? That no matter the outcome of the opposition, no matter the outcome of the persecution, God is God will uh, redeem us in the end. Our, our, sa- our salvation may not uh, line up with our, our current circumstances, if that makes sense, right? It may not seem like our, our, our life, our, our circumstances, Paul found himself in prison and possibly even executed. But Paul was able to say that his deliverance was still sure and true because his hope was in the Lord, that no matter what happened, he would be with his God. Hardship and persecution is not a sign that God has disappointed us, <coughs> excuse me, or his judgment is on us. As Christians, we should expect to suffer. It says here in this passage that it's been granted to us to suffer along with Christ. In Luke, uh, God command, or excuse me, Jesus commands his disciples to take up their cross. You see that in several of the Gospels. And follow him. Right? The, the, the command to take up your cross is not a command to a comfy, easy lifestyle. Right? The cross was the most gruesome form of execution and suffering that they knew. So when Jesus says, take up your cross to us, his disciples, it's not a call to an easy life, but it's a call to hardship at times because of our faith. And, and it's because, as I mentioned before, our faith is often in opposition to the, to the culture and the systems of this world. And so when we have to make that decision to follow Christ instead of following the world, it may often lead to suffering and hardship. After all, we worship a God who suffered and died on our behalf. Should we expect any less? Not only that, but he accepted it willingly. He submitted to his Father's will. He said, not my will, but yours be done. And that's the example that we can follow in Christ. And it's an example that we're reminded of as we take the Lord's Supper together, of what Christ went through on our behalf, of the suffering that he faced for you and for me. It's a reminder of of all that he went through, but it's also a way that we are encouraged and strengthened in our own faith to stand firm. That as we face, you know, this world today, as we go and go about our normal everyday lives, as we're discouraged, we can find strength in him in this reminder of what he went through. And as we take the bread and the cup, we're inspired to walk worthy, to conduct our lives in a manner that that honors the gospel and honors the sacrifice that he made. So as we prepare our hearts and minds for for the table, I encourage you to, to remember that to remember the sacrifice that Christ made and that he calls us to that same kind of life that he lived, a life that honors the Father and is worthy of the gospel of Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. Thank you for your word, which is an encouragement to us. I thank you for the example of Paul, Lord, and and what he lays out here for the Philippian church, that we need to live lives that are worthy of the gospel. Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us to do that, that as we share in the table together, we're reminded, Lord, of of your example and your sacrifice. And may that inspire us and strengthen us to live lives that reflect your glory and your goodness. In Christ we pray. Amen. As we prepare our our hearts and minds for the Lord's Supper, let's, let's sing number 323, Let Us Break Bread Together.
be seated. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and and continue the preparation of our hearts and minds for the Lord's Supper. Father, uh, we're reminded today of, of, of the need to walk worthy, to live our lives in a way that honors and, and glorifies you. Uh, Lord, the reality, though, is that we often fall short of that, that in our own strength, we strive sometimes to do what is good and we fall short. Sometimes in our sinfulness, we, we simply choose to do what is wrong. But Lord, in, in, in the reality of our lives, we can see if we, if we truly look at our own self, through our words, our deeds, our thoughts, we realize, Lord, that we fall short. And your word says that all have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned. And so, Lord, none of us are perfect. None of us can say that we don't need you. None of us can sit here or stand here and say that we are not in need of your forgiveness. But Lord, we are grateful that you offer it freely to each one of us through your son and the sacrifice that he made. Lord, you offer that gift of grace freely by faith to each one of us. And you ask us in return that we continually examine ourselves, that we look at our, at our own lives and, and we're honest with you about the ways that we've fallen short, about the sin that we have committed, the things that we've done and left undone in our own lives. And so we, we come to you now and in silence, we take a moment and confess those things to you in the quiet of our own hearts. Lord, we have this great and wonderful promise from your word that says that that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Thank you, Lord, for that promise. And thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to confess those things to you. In Christ we pray. Amen. Those helping with communion, uh, please come forward. Paul wrote 
I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and after breaking it, and giving, after giving thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So all you have received Jesus as your Lord and Messiah. Take this holy sacrament to your comfort.
bread of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is broken for you and for all. Feed on him now in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving.
blood of Christ, which was shed for you and for all, a new covenant that was made in his blood so that our sins would be forgiven. Take and drink, knowing that he died for you. Father, we are so grateful for the gift that you've given us through your son. I pray now that you would uh, encourage us by your body and blood that we share together and share with so many other Christians around the world this day. I pray that you would strengthen us to live a life that is worthy of you and to be reminded to stand in your strength and in your spirit and not rely on our own strength. In Christ we pray. Amen. I invite you to stand and and our closing benediction is a familiar one I hear and new to me, but I encourage you to stand and join us as we sing that together.